And now, and now, the best of Pete Price. The best of Pete Price on Radio City 96.7. For the show tonight, you don't have to hide the perils of loan sharks. Carol, I'm so sorry to have kept you waiting. That, there's no problem. Thanks, Pete. My pleasure. Right, tell us your story. Well, I mean, if... If I can just take you back to 2005, um, I came home with my daughter and found my son hung at home in my bathroom. Now, Brian had just celebrated his 22nd birthday two weeks before that. So to come home and find my son and her brother in that state was just, I mean, you can imagine it was absolutely devastating. We we, We just couldn't work out why this has happened, you know. Brian, anybody who knew Brian would tell you he was a big six-foot-one, strong, happy-go-lucky lad, scared of nobody, you know, um, never been depressed, ever. I, I just couldn't understand it. Now, what what I did, you can appreciate, the, the first thing we did was phone the emergency services and they they came out and you can imagine they cordoned off my house and within 20 minutes of finding my son in that way, um, a man had presented himself. He got under the cordon and got on my property and presented himself as the manager of a local loan firm. And he said he'd had a phone call. I don't know who did this, who phoned him, but he got a phone call stating that um, one of his customers, Brian Shields, had um, hung himself over you know, debts to his company. Now, the police took the man's, you know, word for what, you know, what he was saying, took his business card and everything. And then the policeman came in to me and he said, I know you said Brian wasn't depressed or he had no worries, but can I just say to you, we've got to the bottom of it because there's a guy just come, he's the manager of a a finance company, a legit one, and basically your son was in um, debt with him. And I said, hang on, what's his name? And he told me his name and the name of the company and straight away peace, an alarm bell went off in mine and my daughter's head. Two weeks run up to Brian Dine, he told me about a friend who was in trouble, he'd borrowed money off a local loan shark and the threats were he's going to get shot, his mum's going to get shot, his sister's going to get raped, everything, if you don't, they would make him big demands on his friends, you know, we need all this money back and you know, um, Brian had told me exactly how much it was and what was owed and everything. Now, it's only with hindsight when the policeman told me about this man on my property, I realised he was actually talking about himself, not a friend. When did you realise that? I realised that 20 minutes after finding my son's body. and That was on the 3rd of December. Did he look concerned? The policeman? No. No, the, uh, the person on your property? Um, I I didn't see him. It was the policeman who came to me right. and told me. But um, no, he didn't. He was um, he was very um, businesslike apparently. Because as soon as he told me about this man that I'd approached them, and I I just also tell them everything that Brian had said. I mean, obviously he was talking about himself at the time, but he was too afraid to tell me it was him. But I knew that this guy had something to do with with why my son's no longer here. So, you know, I told the police this and, um, you know, I wanted it investigating there. You know, I I wanted them to go back to that man and say, well, for one, who phoned you? Because, you know, I phoned the emergency service. I never phoned anybody else. Who phoned you? How did you know my son was, was dead? You know, and particularly that he'd hung himself, you know. Anyway, um, on the day also... 
Um, there was a lot of forensic stuff that was going on in my house. There was footprints, there was holes in doors and things like that. Unexplainable forensics there, but it, it didn't get investigated. I mean, I'm not on here now, Peter Slate. I'm just telling you the story and how I've got to where I am today. Now, I tried to pursue it, um, you know, with, with the authorities trying to get them to realise that this guy, this company, is not legit. I don't care whether he's got a licence. He's actually, what's a piece of paper piece? He's hiding behind this licence and doing what he's doing, and it's morally wrong, you know, what he does to people. And, like, nobody was listening to me. I was back and two, back and two, trying to give evidence. People were coming to me and telling me what he was doing to them. And I'm saying, we'll go to the police. They were too afraid to go to the police. They had no one to turn to. So I went to the police because I thought, I'm not having this. This man is obviously, you know, some way to blame for what my son, you know, my son not being here. And he shouldn't be allowed to carry on doing it. And before long, we're going to have another Brian on our hands and another family are going to go through it. So I just took it upon myself to keep going back and to, to the authorities and basically getting, any, getting nowhere. Now... Two, after two years of doing this, back and two, back and two, I was so frustrated. I mean, well, uh, to be honest, after Brian's inquest, nine months after he died, um, I actually went to, you know, the, the Liverpool Echo, and I thought, I need somebody to help me, and I'll, I'll do it through the media if I have to. And I went to the Liverpool Echo. They did their own six-week investigation uh, before they even put it to press. It was the whole front page and another two, I think it was the two middle pages, just telling everybody about my concerns and asking people, have you got a loan from this company? Have you had any threats? And they put a helpline number in, you know. Now, all this was happening, um, and yet the police still didn't take it serious. So then I'd done a bit of research and I heard about this team that had piloted in Birmingham and they were called the Illegal Money Lending Team. And I thought, right, this is my last draw. No one's listening to me yet. Carol, it's a harrowing story, losing a son in that dreadful, dreadful way. If that's not enough pain, then to see things irregular within the house, not knowing where you stand, not knowing what's going on. Carol, you, you paint the most terrible, terrible picture. I do, and, it, you know, it, it gets worse. <laughs> I I took myself off to Birmingham on March the 5th, 2008. To see? Who was it to see It them? was to see the Birmingham Illegal Money Lending Team. They were piloting in Birmingham at the time, um, and they specialise in, in loan sharks. You know, I mean, I'd never heard, personally, I'd never heard of them before. I wouldn't even know what one was at that time. Only that this has touched my family. Now I know what it's all about. So I took myself down there and met with the, the, the you know, the people who front this team. And I spent the day with them. And um, they did say to me, they listened to me. And the, the important thing about it, when I say they listen to me, please, lots of people listen to me. But n are you hearing what I'm saying? Those people did, and because they hear it every day, day in, day out, they know what I was saying was a major problem around the country. Now, Carol, let me stop you there and tell us the sort of things they were telling you about other people. 
Well, they were telling me that, um, you know, they've never heard of, they've never had anything like um, a suicide or anything like my son's death on the hands, but they have heard, they, they have dealt with people who've um, pulled machetes out on their, on their victims and kidnapped people, tied them up, and pregnant ladies, battered pregnant ladies, you know, and um, just uh, chopping fingers off and, you know, and, and, and telling them they're going to post them to the families, you know. It was it was horrendous, absolutely horrendous. Some of the stories that I heard. Now, when when I spoke to them about Brian's, they were very very honest and upfront with me because at this point I wasn't going there just about Brian. I was going about what's going on now. I can't bring Brian back, but I've got grandchildren. What about the people that are out there now? I don't want anybody else falling prey to them, and um, they they. Um, they were up front and they said there's probably nothing that they could do about Brian's case, but they were very interested in what I was telling them that was going on in my area. Now, that, as I say, that was March the 5th, 2008. And on March the 10th, 2008, just five short days after two years, three months and seven days of going back and two to the authorities, they, were, they raided this guy and he's been locked up ever since. A year later, he got convicted of 20 charges, one including rape, of what he was doing to people, blackmail, grievous bodily harm, fraud, rape, sexual assault. You know, I mean, the list goes on, what that man and his... his this is this did. is the man that came to your door? This is the man that came to my door, that, that showed the policeman on that day that he, he's got a licence, he's legit, so he can't possibly be doing all these horrible things, what I'm, I'm saying he's doing... But as I said on the day, that piece of paper is worth nothing. It's toilet paper. He hid behind that. He was doing all this stuff behind with the Office of Fair Trading's. Um, oh God, say so. You know, they've, they've, they've given him a licence to do whatever he wants to people. How, then, how big a problem have you found it is around the country? Much bigger than what I, I, I thought it was, to be honest. I mean, through all this, I, I ended up launching the, the charity, the Brian Shields Trust, because I felt something was missing in my area. But now I know it's missing in a, a lot of areas around the country. Um, I mean, I have calls coming in from Ireland, Scotland, Wales, everywhere, you know, not just where I come from. Um, and I know it is a massive, massive problem. Some of the stories I hear, some of the, the desperate People who were so desperate, like my son must have been that evening. It, it, it's horrendous, you know, um, and it's got to be stopped. It's absolutely got to be stopped. Carol, let's go back to your son. Tell yeah. us about how, how much have you uncovered over the death and what happened? Yeah, Brian, um, you know, he, a silly lad, he'd got mixed up. How he become to get the loan, he'd got mixed up with... Um, you know, the group of people who he, who he worked with, who, as it happens, were associates of this man in, 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 who we talk about. Um, and he got into the, the habit over a few weeks on a Friday evening. They'd all go to a pub and they'd be given um, a recreational drug called cocaine. And it was all for free. So what happened was, after a few weeks down the line of, you know, say, oh, lad, take this, this will take your troubles away and it'll give you the buzz and stuff, it's okay, you know. A couple of weeks down the line, the the, the lads are told, well, you know, with some money now. Now, Brian ended up, um, he was told he owed £300. 
So we're ones tell, giving you the cocaine and telling you, oh, it's all right, lad. And then down the line, oh, you know what? I need the money in because you've cost me to run up. I didn't realise it's £300. So there was another one there on hand ready to give you the £300 to pay, to pay off this debt. But what happened was Brian took the £300 loan out. He actually signed a contract like it was a legit company. Signed a contract and it was 90% interest that straight away, which took it to 570 Now, it was something like £10 a week at that point. But four weeks down the line, um, he was told, he got a phone call, I think it was on the Thursday evening, they needed this loan company have decided you know what, we need all that money and you need 500 quid off you by tomorrow night, lad. And obviously, if the lad's got to borrow £300, he's certainly not going to have £500 just like that. So what have you done? I'll tell you what, I'll help you out here. I'll do you the favour because you're a good lad and you haven't missed the last few weeks. I'll rip that contract up. Um, we'll start afresh. I'll lend you the money and we'll start afresh, basically. But, your, you know, your, your interest will go up a little bit and your payment, repayments will go up to £20. So, Brian, being in a hole, or anybody in that position, you know, they're going to take it, aren't they? So, he, he did, he, sat, he signed again, and that took the death up to £1,700 that that lad owed. They did the same to him again, just four weeks later. Um, demanded £1,600, I think it was, off him. Um, you know, they give you like a day's notice. So the lad, again, signed this piece of paper and that took the debt up to £3,400. Now, the day the first payment was due was the day my son died. It's, he's realised, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm just going to get deeper and deeper. He'd realised then that these friends and associates who he thought were really good and helping him out he got on to the fact of what they're really doing is getting me in a bigger and bigger hole and I'm not going to be able to get out of this. Carol, how did you find out about the money? I found out um, about the money from my son's inquest. It all came out at my son's inquest. Were you shocked? Um, well, I was because um, had, this, had he come to me and told me that there was problems with, with a loan shark or with anything... Um, you know, there's enough of us in the family, we would have helped him. I mean, I'm not saying I'd have given him any money to pay it off. I'd have, I'd have gone straight to the authorities, to be quite honest, and because it, it's not right what the, what these people do to, you know, um, our communities. But he, there would have been help there for him, you know, definitely. Ha- do you know what scares me, Carol, that we're doing this programme right now? You've told us the most harrowing story, and you're a very strong woman. How you got through this, God only knows. But... The amount of people that must be listening in the same boat as you and Brian is. Yeah, that's you, you can't. We can't imagine, and especially with times the way they are, with redundancies, with people. It's, we've just had a woman ring up now who won't come on air. She's in a terrible state, and she can completely relate to you. Yeah. Well, I get lots of calls like that piece. And, you know, the the, the organisation that I've set up, I mean, I'm not qualified in debt advice. I'm not a policewoman or anything like that. I mean, my kids call me Miss Marple the way I am because I get to the bottom of things. But what um, what I do do is signpost people to the right people. Because, you know, if you remember a little while ago when I told you about my two years and three months and them seven days of going back and two and not getting any help, nobody listening to me, I know that's 
still going on. And we're like, what, five years my son's been gone? And that sort of thing is still going on. Some of the authorities do not take it as serious as what I'm telling you that it is. And this, people are afraid to go forward to the police because they think it's going to cause more problems. You see, the police and the illegal money lending team work very, very differently. Where I was going back into to the police, and a lot of people do it, and give them what they call is intelligence. Um, they can't act on the intelligence alone. They say they need evidence and they need signed statements before they can go and act on something. The illegal money lending team... I mean, you, you heard me a few minutes ago tell you how quick they acted for me. And Brian wasn't even here, but they believed in me. They knew what was going on. Are they working for the government? Uh, they are, yes, yeah. yes. But they, um, they, they, you know, they go out and they can act on intelligence. You can give information anonymous, anonymously mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, behind the scenes. Or you can write a statement. It's up to yourself. The main thing is... It, the, the sooner people come forward and, and say, look, I've got a problem with this, um, the sooner something gets done. And with the illegal money lending team, it will never fall back on, you know, like when you go to the police and you go and they, they take a statement off you, they're going to go to the, the, the perpetrator and say, well, Carol Hyten's accusing you of doing this to her. And then he's going to know that it's me who's made the accusation against him. So that's going to double my trouble, isn't it? So that's why people don't go there. The illegal money lending team do not act like that. They go and they, what they do, they go in and they raid these people and they get the books, they get all the evidence that way. So nobody needs to be afraid anymore about coming forward if you come to the right people, you know, um, which is hence the reason I set up the trust. Because after all this with my son, I went round, I thought something's not right here. Why aren't people listening to me? And I went round all your associations who I thought might be might have been able to help Brian or anyone in his position. I went to your credit unions, your CAB, welfare rights, trade and I went to everyone, and their advice to to me. It, I said, if somebody like my son come to you, what would your advice be? Now they're all fantastic. The credit union systems advice, everyone. They're fantastic with your debt advice, you know, um, and help you get legit loans and things like that. But when it comes to threats, intimidation, brutality, like what's going on, their advice can only be go to the police. You have to report it. Now they can't do it on this person's behalf. They just have to give the advice. Now I know from doing what I'm doing that people walk out of these agencies and do not go to the police. They go back home and hide behind their door and worry themselves sick to the point of no return sometimes, as in my son's case. Carol, um, did they try and get the money back off you? No, what they actually did, they tried to get it off one of Brian's friends because, I said you, there was a group of lads and they all had to go guarantor for each other. So they actually tried to get the money off the other one of the other lads. Um you know, I mean, it, it took another time for um, for him to get locked up. So now everybody who owed that man all the money, the thousands, hundreds of thousands, all that debt's been wiped out now, totally wiped out. So, I mean, that, that that's one good thing. Amazing, amazing. How are you coping today? You know, I... I get, I've got such a passion inside me and I believe my son drives, you know, wherever he is now, he drives me. I have to do this. I can't 
sit and wallow in it anymore. I miss my son every day. I cry every day. Pete's still a tear for that boy of mine, and I will do that till the day I join him. But I am not letting these people out there who are doing this take me down as well. They've took the most important thing away from me, one of my children, and they're not going to do it to me. I... I've tried to turn this into something positive. Well, not tried. I've succeeded. I've done it into something positive. Nobody will ever forget my son's name. And, you know, I know through Brian's name, we've been able to help an awful lot of people. Now, that's what keeps me going. Another thing that keeps me going is, I mean, I don't know if you're aware, I actually had an adjournment uh, debate in Parliament. I'm actually trying to bring in an amendment to the current suicide law or perhaps bring in a new law. I'd like to see Bry's law brought in. And this is because the current suicide law um, is saying that the penalty for a loved one, relative or any person who may aid a bet, counsel or procure the suicide of another is a maximum of 14 years imprisonment. Now, I'm not talking about euthanasia here. That's a whole different game. I'm talking about the bullying side of it now. Why can't this law be used for the bullies in society? Here's my son who had his whole life ahead of him and he was put in this predicament. Um, You know, he was frightened to, you know, he just thought there was no way out. Why can't that person or persons who did this to my son and to other people out there, why can't they be made accountable for their, you know, I mean, it's murder of a person's soul. That's the only way I can describe it. And I want to see some changes here. And that's why my MP took my case to Parliament for me just three weeks ago. Um, So, I mean, fingers crossed, you know, there might be some changes made there. That will go a long way to help me sort of um, get a little bit of justice for my son because I've not had it yet. Carol, have you had any threats? Um, no, I think they're more scared of me, Pete, to be quite honest. I'm more powerful than them now because they can see what a mother can do. You know, I, I had from day one, I have been on this campaign to get him. I got him. I helped get him locked up. But there's others out there. The more scared of what I do, I'm very, very public and open, and I'll always be like that. And they don't frighten me. What could they threaten me with? They've already done the worst thing ever that they could do to me. So nothing they could say or do would ever intimidate me. Cheryl in Chilwall uh, sent me a text saying, Carol is an amazing person. Hope anyone worrying about loan sharks hears what she is saying. Carol, I I can't thank you enough for coming on tonight. I I think your passion is amazing. As you said, and you summed it up by saying, they can't do anything to me after taking my son. There are people out there who are in a terrible state right now. What is your message to them? My message is, don't, don't sit and worry and hide behind your door like my son did. There is help out there now. Um, Whether you come to the Brian Shields Trust or, I mean... 
the illegal money lending team are there. They're fantastic. Just pick up the phone. Just get it off your shoulders. Just give it to somebody else to worry about. Um, I'm, I'm allowed to give the website out. You please. most definitely are. Okay, well, I've got a website. If people don't want a phone, they can give me an email and they can even do that anonymously as well. Um, the, the website is www.thebryanshieldstrust.co.uk. Um, the helpline number is 033 Now, we need that one very slowly. Okay, the, the helpline number is 033 Now, the, the office hours for the trust is between 9 and 5, but the, the any messages that get left after five come directly to me, myself, and whether it's one, two, three, four in the morning, just ring. If that's when you need help, that's what the trust is about. We will get you the help straight away. Well, Carol, we've put a link onto our website so people who haven't remembered that number and haven't remembered the website, if you go to Radio City or City Talk, it will be on there on Pete Price's directory, so it's going to be there forever. Oh, so, thank you, Pete. Oh, no, no, it's my pleasure. It's the least, the least we can do with the story you've just told us. Oh, thank you. And let's finish off and tell us what he was like. Tell us what Brian was like. Brian was absolutely lovely. Big hard lad, could look after himself, but with his mum, proper mummy's boy when he was in the house. He won't appreciate me saying that, but he was a, a prankster. Um, he, you know, he could come in the room and like the whole room up with his smile. Beautiful, beautiful boy. I mean, his funeral was testimony to how popular my son was. There was over 700 people at that funeral. And, you know... It's not just me and his family who are devastated, me, his dad, his brothers, sisters, you know, it's all his friends and extended family still to this day, just, you know, devastated and, you know, um, I'm very proud of my son, you know, he's not here now, but I am proud of what, not what he did, obviously, but, you know, I'm very, very proud of him because what he's actually done, he's sacrificed his life, as far as I'm concerned, um, to save others, and I'm very, very proud of him. So, Can you ever get that picture out of your mind? Of... Never. I can still smell. I can still see him. Um, no, that'll never leave me. You know, just like, you know, the family, it'll never, ever leave us, ever. <laughs> but... You know, you tr- I try not to think about that day. I am trying now five years down the line. As I said, I still have that cry for him. I'm missing desperately. Um, but I'm trying to remember the good times now. And there was a lot of them. I had 22 years of pure gold out Ca- of my son. Carol, um, did you have the strength before this happened? No, I don't. No, no. People, people call me brave and courageous, but I'm not. I'm not peace. What I am is I'm Brian's mum. And anybody who's got a child, a niece, a nephew, anything, if anybody harms a hair on your child's head, I know other people would do exactly the same as what I'm doing and fight for justice for him. And, you know, I'm no different than any other mum or dad. That's how I see it. The website again? The website is www.thebryanshieldstrust.com. .co.uk. I really, really hope we've helped somebody tonight, Carol. 
I'm sure we have. Pete, can I just give one last message out, please? And this one's a bit different. This one's for the actual loan sharks and the illegal money lenders. I'd just like to say, what are you doing? It, it, I know it isn't about just about the money. It's about having power and control over people. And it's absolutely disgusting. But I just want you to know that your day will come just like you know, that guy who was involved with my son, just like him, the day will come when people will stand up against you and you will find out that you are not as invincible as what you are, what you think you are. So just, you know, pack it in now while you can, because otherwise they're coming for you. Carol Hyden, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Peter. The best of Pete Price on Radio City 96.7.